Thanks for joining us at the Montrose Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at montrosechurch.org. Have a great day. Well, we got that out of the way. How are we doing? <laughs> the feedback, not the song. The song was beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> so uh, we're continuing to think about this series about saying grace, and uh, I suppose if you're keeping up, you know that that means that uh, we are right up against Thanksgiving now, and if I did a little survey and I said, uh, how's that thankfulness happening in you, as we thought of you know, a couple weeks ago about the reality that attitude and what we see, we say. So we have to choose to see some things differently. And I challenge you to make a list of names, people that maybe we see with judgment or gossip. Instead, we're going to see them with eyes of restoration. We're going to see folks who are heavy burdened, and we're going to come beside them and help. It's not, it's not hard to make the list. It's where the ouches are. It's where the, you know, we feel that, oh, ah, they make me so mad. We see what we say. And so to try to see through different eyes, we're invited, as Paul has constructed the letter, responding to some needs, some things that are going on in the church at Galatia, and, and then inviting them and saying, here's all the theological constructs of why I am arguing the way I am arguing about these issues, and now, chapter 6, here are the things we are going to do differently. Here's how we're going to respond to all of this. And then last week we talked about the fact that we need to be pursuing maturity because our brains, our thoughts are wild, and if we don't train them, they'll run away. And that we are responsible to begin in a diligent way to have some kind of self-assessment, to, to have a healthy self-image, not too much and not too little, not compare ourselves to others. And so we're entering into this season with practicing some, you know, attitude things and some diligence things, and today we're going to talk about generosity. I, I, I don't know about you, but I, I reflect on the fact that uh, in the past, you know, there was this uh, process by which people came to town and they had, uh, you know, uh, an elixir that would cure whatever is wrong with you. Remember that? You know, you probably saw it on a movie somewhere, maybe. I'm not saying any of you lived during that time. I'm just saying. You know, they called them snake oil salesmen. You know, they came, and for a dollar, you just took whatever it was, you drank it, and it made you better. It fixed whatever was wrong with you. Snake oil. I, it may surprise you to know this, but uh, Coca-Cola was developed by a pharmacist as an elixir for life. It was developed as a cure-all, and it actually worked, because originally it contained cocaine. <laughs> and when you drank it, you felt better. <laughs> you had to drink it every day, but <laughs> developed by a pharmacist. As an elixir for life. You know, I'm so glad we don't really fall for that stuff anymore. I mean, we don't like do crazy stuff and buy crazy supplements and eat weeds like kale. I'm just saying, 
We not only eat it, we make it popular. It's popular. Because it's going to fix something that's messed up in us. And why are we like that? Why are we vulnerable? Why were people back then vulnerable? Why are we vulnerable now? Because we hurt. And we want to stop hurting. And if you tell me you've got something that will help me stop hurting, you have my attention. And maybe it's way out there. I mean, maybe it's the equivalent of putting a chicken in a pillowcase and swinging it over my head. But if I think it might help me stop hurting, I'll do some crazy stuff. Because I don't want to hurt. And then we come to the gospel of Jesus Christ in which he looks at us and he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And you will find rest unto your soul, because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. But I'm not sure we fully believe that, that he can give us what will help us not be weary. When we are living in this postmodern culture, when we're living in this reality of what's happening around us, and, and, and I hear, you know, well, folks have just, you know, they've become sophisticated beyond wisdom, and now Christianity is no longer a thing because people... I don't know that it's a cultural movement that's happening that way. I don't know. Here's what I think. I think sometimes the people who claim Christianity as being the thing that helps them not hurt are still hurting acutely and not finding... <laughs> rest unto their soul. And so, what is it that helps us engage? What is it that helps us live in that space? Well, one of those things is generosity. Now, at the beginning here, I just want to say to you, there is not going to be an offering at the end of this sermon. So you can just take a deep breath. There will not be an ask at the end of this conversation. Everybody okay? okay. This is about the health of our souls and what goes on in there. Let's talk for a minute about what generosity is and what it looks like. These are a couple of, you know, just secular definitions of generosity. I think they're... It's important to say that because this could sound very spiritual, but it's not. Generosity, in fact, this is very psychological. Generosity has not long been viewed as a normal trait of ordinary or of all people, but rather one expected to be practiced by those of higher quality or greater goodness. Generosity, unlike, say, truth-telling and not stealing, is more like an ideal toward which the best may aspire and achieve rather than a democratic obligation that's the duty of all to practice. Generosity may thus, on the positive side, properly call any given person to a higher standard, yet simultaneously and more problematically, this two-tier understanding may have the effect of excusing the majority from practicing generosity because of their more ordinarily perceived status. Isn't that interesting? How many of us in this room right now would go, yeah, I am constantly praying to God to help me be more generous? Because most of us are like, no. In fact, the etymology of the word is that generosity originally was only attached to royalty. It was only the kings and queens and princes and lords that were supposed to be generous because they were the only ones that had the means to be generous. 
And because of that etymology, we still think like that. Even though we don't apply it that way anymore, and we don't have kings and queens and princes, at least not in this country, we still sort of think, well, it's only a certain elite group of people who could practice generosity. But that's not a very good biblical view of generosity. In fact, we are to live generously. We are to be people who reflect a generous spirit. There's supposed to be something in us that practices a generosity. And I think there's several little stories in the New Testament that give us some insight. Before I read that, I just want to share with you a couple of things from Wiki University. And again, I just think it's so important. So for our purposes, we use the word generosity to refer to the virtue of giving good things to others freely and abundantly. I'll slow down and say that again. Generosity refers to the virtue of giving good things to others freely and abundantly. Wiki University offers this insight. It's a virtue of being liberal in giving. Generosity is giving to another person something of yours as an act of free will without obligation. Generosity requires an awareness of your own freedom. I choose to give this gift. And the decision to make good use of that freedom, I choose to do good. Although you may think of generosity in monetary terms, often non-monetary gifts such as time, encouragement, hope, laughter, hospitality, service, and forgiveness may be the gifts of greatest value. See, I thought you would think that that was some spiritual guy talking in some commentary. Nah, it's just online. Aristotle describes generosity as the middle ground between wastefulness and stinginess. So think with me for a minute about three scenes of generosity in the New Testament. The first one takes place in Acts 3. It's it's Peter and John on the way to the temple for three in the afternoon prayers. They're continuing to observe the Jewish rituals, and they're on their way to the temple. And at the gate, beautiful, is a person who is brought by friends every day and set at the gate because this person is unable to walk. And so because they're unable to walk, they're unable to make a living. And so their means of existence is to sit at the gate by the temple and collect money. And Peter and John walk up to the person, and the person cries out to them, says, Hey, you look like people who could help. And we have this very vivid language in which the man looks, and Peter sees him, and then he says, Look at me, you know. And then he says those words, Silver and gold have I none. But... What I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And immediately his legs receive strength and he stands. And he begins to celebrate. I think it's such a powerful image of generosity that very specifically does not involve money. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give to you. And, and I wonder if, if, if we think about generosity in this season... If we stop for a minute and we said, here's the thing that matters the most. What do I have that I can share? Do I simply say, I don't need to be generous because I don't have a certain financial status, and because I don't have a certain financial status, I therefore cannot live in a spirit of generosity? Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I give to you. I would guess that around this room, online, we all have something of immense value. 
something that someone in our journey and in our life needs. And by the way, the whole process of this letter of Galatians is predicated on a situation that's going on in the church at Galatia. And the situation that's going on is that they close the service with the Lord's Supper. They receive the grace of God. They sit at the table and they pour in, receive, drink up the grace of God. And then they participate in the love feast. They receive the grace, then they say the grace. But some people have come and sat at the table and received the grace. And then because they don't think they're supposed to eat with Gentiles or they don't think they should eat certain foods, they have left the table. They have received the grace, but they haven't shared the grace. They've received the grace and they have failed to say the grace. And so Paul writes this letter and he calls them out and he says, you're hypocrites. Do not sit at the table and receive the grace and leave the table. Stay at the table. Stay at the table and share the grace. Do we think about that? Do we think about what it would mean for us to at least do an inventory and say, silver and gold have I none? Or silver and gold I have, and in addition to that I have some other things that might matter in this story of generosity. The second story takes place in Luke 10. We know it as the story of the Good Samaritan. What's the greatest commandment in the law? Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. This man wishing to justify himself said, and who is my neighbor? So Jesus says, a person was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves. He was beaten and robbed and left for dead. And a priest came by and passed by on the far side. And then a Levite came by and passed by on the far side. And then a Samaritan came and he went to the man. And he poured oil and wine on his wounds and bound up his wounds. And then he put him on his own donkey. And he took him to an inn. And he took care of him. And then he gave the innkeeper money. And then he said, if this isn't enough, I will come back and make good whatever debt this man has incurred. Now Jesus looks at the man and says, who was a neighbor to the man who fell among thieves? The one who showed him mercy. You go and do likewise. So here is a man whose, whose generosity is such that it involves some money, but more than that, it involves his time, his compassion, his energy, his willingness to get involved, his willingness to engage. I don't know about you, but seeing a guy beaten up on the side of the road, I don't know that I want to get there. You know? I don't know if I want to get involved. I don't know if I want to... I'm not an expert. I don't know how to fix things. I don't know how to... I'm not sure I want to wade into that circumstance. I'm not sure I want to wade into that situation. I'm not sure it's my battle to fight. But this biblical example of generosity is I'm going to give my time and my energy. I'm going to get involved. I'm going to not pass by on the far side. I'm not going to turn a blind eye. I'm going to see what's happening. I'm going to notice. I'm going to do what I can. I'm going to do a spirit of generosity as today, right now, in this circumstance, I will do what I can. And I can do something. I can do something. The third story is recorded in a couple of different places, but in Mark 14, we have the story of Jesus at Bethany, and he's at the home of Simon the leper, and he is there, and he is participating in this dinner meeting, and a woman comes in, breaks from the crowd, approaches him, 
takes a very expensive jar of perfume, an alabaster jar. She breaks it open, and she pours it on the feet of Jesus. And immediately, people in the room are like, oh my goodness, what an incredible waste. This very expensive perfume was a year's wages of a common worker. We could have taken it and sold it and used it to take care of the poor. And Jesus says, don't criticize her. The poor will always be with you, but you won't always have me. What she has done will be talked about and told for generations to come. It's probably the purest act of generosity we have in the New Testament. She's not even identifying herself. She's not calling any attention to her own story. She has no desire, need, or means by which there will be some kind of reciprocity. She, she is simply, out of a heart of generosity and thanksgiving, she is simply doing an act of love and mercy and grace. And we know in the big picture <laughs> that her, she is unknowingly in this moment preparing the body of Jesus for his burial. That she's participating in something that is far above her pay grade. This pure act. And I love the phrase that's included in Mark 10. It says, and she chose to do what she could. She chose to do what she could. These are powerful images of generosity that inhabit the New Testament in which we are encouraged to live this way. To live in a way where things in our lives are, 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 you know, constantly available to others so that we not only receive the grace, we say the grace. It matters. It matters. So with all of that in mind, then let's read Galatians 6. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A person reaps what they sow. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. I think there are four things that Paul highlights, but before we do that, I just want to stop and I want to acknowledge something. Let me acknowledge that it's cold outside, it's kind of, you know, it feels like winter. And in California, you can count those days on a couple of hands, really. And then you came in here, and it is starting to get warm now. And I can feel, it's like a warm blanket settling over the crowd. This is what I'm seeing. You know, when you go to a baseball game, it's a baseball game. People are screaming and yelling. And in the seventh inning, we have to stretch. Because why? Because people have a short attention span. We're not going to stretch. That would be disturbing your nap. So, so instead, we're just taking a little break. Just letting you catch your breath. Maybe you need a little piece of candy or something. Just, you know... And if, and if today all you get out of it is rest, God bless you. <laughs> Amen? Rest unto your soul. Starts with your body. 
and you may really need rest. That's okay. That's okay. When we think about the words that Paul is speaking and the response he's engaging in, he's inviting us. The first point that I want to make is sort of an overall biblical point, not necessarily specifically in this passage, and that is there's freedom in generosity. There's freedom in generosity. Do not lay up treasures on earth where thieves break in and steal and moth and rust destroy, but lay up treasures in heaven. And I don't know about you, but I have a lot of junk. My mom died now coming up on a couple of years ago, and and my mom had downsized from her house to my sister's home. She had a couple of rooms, so she had downsized a lot, and yet she sent home several boxes for me. They ended up with me. You know, my sister has some. I have some. My job was to go through them. I still haven't. And you know why I haven't? Here's what I know, because I can see at the top of the box. There's stuff in there she should have thrown away. You understand what I'm saying? There's stuff in there that I don't want, but I don't feel free to throw away. Give to my kids, yeah. (laughs) Which brings me to the next step. Because then I look at this box that I am supposed to go through that I know I don't want, but I can't throw away. And I wish, Mom, I wish you'd have thrown this away. It's too sentimental for me to get rid of, and it's hideous. I don't want it. But I can, in good conscience, throw it away. Now, there are people in this room right now going, I can't believe you said that, but I know exactly how he feels because I have a box at my house. Or I now rent a storage unit for my mom's stuff or my dad's stuff or my parents' stuff that I don't want. It's hideous and awful. It will never be in my house, but it's too sentimental to throw away. And then I think about my house. And I think about all the junk I have. I mean, my kids will have a lifetime. It will take the rest of their lives to, or maybe not. Maybe they'll just go, I got no sentimental. Just back the truck up and get rid of it. (laughs) I don't know. It's bad enough that I don't like to go in the garage. You understand what I'm saying? And I don't know what it is about me. Maybe it's the fact that my parents are so cheap that they kept junk, and that I inherited the trait, but right now, I cannot, if I install some new thing, if I get a, a plug or a lamp, or, and it comes with extra hardware, I keep it. I can't throw it away. That's a perfectly good screw right there. That's perfectly good. I'll need that sometime. I have a garage full of things like that. And when it comes time to look for it, I'm like, I'm not going through all that. I'm going to Ace where it's organized. <laughs> What's a buck fifty to me? I don't care, man. It's worth a buck fifty not to go through that stuff. Or I'll go through it an hour later. I'm going, this was a ten minute job, but I spent an hour trying to find the screw to finish the job. I just can't seem to sentimentally dump it all. I think. I think God wants us to live light. I think he tells us over and over, you you want to find a little peace from your weariness? Just let go of some junk. Just live in a spirit of generosity in which you don't think you have to hoard everything in order to be happy. Because everything you hoard will cost you something. 
If nothing else, my daughter came in last night and said, I want to do the Christmas tree. You know what I'm thinking? Oh, Lord. I have to move 27 things. I have to climb up. I don't, know where, I don't even know where the Christmas tree is. Anybody else? It doesn't create some sense of peace to have more junk. I mean, valuable materials. <laughs> don't you like those people that are able to go, I, I own a hundred things. And when I buy a new one, I throw something away. Well, God bless you. <laughs> I wish I had that ability. I mean, I think there is a biblical principle that says there is freedom in generosity. There is a way of freeing ourselves up. We become so caught up in having things and holding things and keeping things and feeling secure. And instead of making us feel safer and more secure, it makes us feel anxious and overwhelmed. And I think there is a freedom in generosity. Number two, there's a logic in generosity. Don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A person reaps what they sow. I, I wish this was one for one, don't you? I wish it was like whenever I did something good, something good happened. Wouldn't that be awesome? Or if I did something bad, something bad, I would learn more quickly. It's the fact that I sow and I don't always reap in accordance with what I've sown. You know, sometimes I just sow a little and I get a lot. And sometimes I sow a lot and I get nothing. And because this pattern goes on, I start to go, well, I don't know if this... And I don't know how it works for you, but this is how it works for me. When I sow something and I don't reap anything, or I sow something and I don't reap what I've sown, then I get discouraged, and I'm disappointed. And then I think, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to quit sowing all that other stuff because I'm not sure about the return. I'm going to start sowing just for me. I'm just going to take care of me. I'm just going to turn it in here, and I'm going to, you know, listen to that stuff that says, you know, I got to love myself before I can love others. And while there's truth in that, sometimes we just get scared of not getting something back for our investment, and we would rather be selfish than disappointed. I'm not going to try. I'm not going to do that. They let me down. It didn't work out. There is a logic to the sowing and the reaping. And it's not just in this passage. Jesus speaks about it a lot. It's a principle that goes on and on. Keep putting the seed in the ground. Don't stop. I know you've been disappointed. I, I, I know that somewhere in there it hasn't always. But there is a logic to this process of generosity. Do not grow weary. Which leads to the third point. There's not only a logic to the generosity, there's a consistency. Let us not become weary in doing good because we will reap a harvest at the proper time if we do not give up. I don't know about you, but it's so tempting to give up. We are weary people. We are weary with our culture, with our world, with our politics. We are weary and when we get weary, we, we have a tendency to stop putting the seed in the ground. We have a tendency to say, I'm just going to stop. It's easier for me to not have any expectation than it is for me to be let down and disappointed. And Paul is saying, listen, I understand you've been let down. You are receiving the grace. Do not step away from the table. 
Do not believe that you can receive the grace and step away from the table. That's not how it works. Something breaks inside of us. Something falls apart inside of us. We become closed up and closed in. We weren't created for this. This is safer and it's easier. But of all the people on the face of this planet who ought to have their arms opened up, it ought to be us. As much, Listen, this is a vulnerable position right here. This is a vulnerable space. It's hard to live this way. Especially when you've approached people and you've sown some seeds of this and they've punched you in the, in the throat. You, you know, you, you want to duck and cover. Amen? But Paul says, listen. There is a freedom in generosity. I don't know, you ever wonder what you're saving it all for? You know, what are you holding on to it for? I mean, you know, we're, we're passing through pretty quickly. When, when you get to be my age, you know, you have a bunch of people older than you going, well, you're still young. And then you have a bunch of people younger than you going, man, you are old as dirt. Usually your children, you know. So you don't know if you're young or old. But at this age, you do know this. Man, it's fast. <laughs> wow, it's fast. And I'm having this feeling right now. I'm not, I'm not going to take any of it with me. I stress so long to get this, and it's, I am not going to be able to. Who cares? I guess somebody else will enjoy it. (laughs) I hope that I can live in a way that I leave it on the field every day. I lived it all out. I loved as much as I could. I cared as much as I could. I tried as hard as I could. There was a generosity in my spirit as much as I could. I didn't try to duck and cover. I believed in the reality of traveling light, being responsible and being diligent and being all those other things, but also traveling light and sowing good seed and not giving up. There's a consistency. There's a consistency. When you encounter a person of the faith, there should be a generosity in their spirit and in their demeanor that is refreshing and different and new. And that leads us to the fourth point. There's a goal of generosity. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those of the faith. Is that how we approach life? Is that how you approach life? I'm going to get up today and I'm going to do good. I'm going to do good for people. I'm going to do good. I'm going to have a generosity of spirit. Such as I have, I will give. Such as I have. I will not have this attitude. I, I don't have any of that. I don't have any of that. You know, can you help? I don't have any of that. Can you do it? I don't have any of that. I, I don't care what you don't have. Generosity isn't born in what you don't have. It's born in what you do have. And you do have. You do have gifts the world needs. You do have gifts your family needs. You do have things that are of immense value. Time, compassion, love, 
sensitivity, a listening ear, hospitality. You do have things. We do. God has gifted you. God has gifted me to make a difference, to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. But am I praying for generosity? Am I praying for a spirit of generosity? Do I think I have anything with which to be generous? I should know. It does seem to me we should be praying that prayer. God, what is it that you have given me that is mine to share? If I was asked, if I said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, what would my such as I have be? Do I even know? Would the people around me identify it? And I don't know about you, but it seems to me that this ability to connect with human beings is not like a mystery. If I can sit in space and listen and be compassionate and be loving and be kind and be thoughtful, if I can make a difference, if I just pay attention, if I just pay attention, there is this ability to do good to people. And I want to. I don't know. Today when you go out, do good to somebody. Maybe the person that you're ordering your lunch from and, you know, you just are going to be nice. You're going to be nice. You're going to be appreciative. Maybe the iced tea glass didn't get filled quick enough. But you're going to be nice anyway. You're going to be sweet. You're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. You're sowing good seed. Don't get weary in sowing good seed. Do good. Do good. Leave people better than you found them. Every person. And sometimes it's way easier to do good to strangers than it is to do good to people you already know and with whom you are engaged and with whom you have history because they've hurt you and you haven't reaped what you've sown. So anyway, so anyway, I'll close with this thought. I am not a tough human being. <laughs> I always want to be sure everybody heard that. It's not just me, you know, that I'm not just hearing things up here. It's like I'm having a stroke and you don't know it yet. <laughs> I'm not a very tough human being. I, uh, I have the ability. Have you ever imagined what it would have been like to live in a time when you woke up in the morning and you had to go chop wood and build a fire? And then you had to prepare food that you grew or raised and killed and butchered. Sorry for the sensitive in the group. I mean, do you ever think about how much effort you're willing to put in to eat a meal? It's becoming less and less, isn't it? I was at the store the other day. I was going to make some something that I needed some chicken with bones in it, you know, because you can't really make soup and, say, you know. Turns out that's a rare commodity now because human beings can't be bothered so there's boneless, skinless everything. And here's the crazy thing. Those are the overachievers that are actually buying raw food and making it in their home. You know? Sometimes at our house, it'd be like, what do you want to eat? I don't know. What do you want to eat? I don't know. What do you want to eat? I don't know. Well, you, you, we've got that stuff in the freezer. We can throw it in the microwave. Well, I can't be pushing buttons on the microwave. That'd be... Why don't we just go get something? All right. What do you want? I don't know. What do you want? Just two things. I know this. They need to have a drive-through because I can't park and walk. 
and they better take Apple Pay because I can't pull out my credit card and give it to them. I want to pay online with the app. I want them to carry the food to my car. I want them to put it in my mouth. <laughs> you got to work with me here. I've got limited energy. Anybody else ever reflect on things like this? And I think we would all die. If we were forced to go back, we would get up in the morning and go chop wood, haul water, go to the well. I'm just dying. I'm just going to lay down and die. Just cover me up. I'm not going to eat anymore. I'm not very tough. But God calls us to be a people of great stamina when it comes to doing good. And we can get lulled by our culture into being so spiritually, emotionally, relationally lazy that we don't ever stop and pray for a deep sort of stamina to do good in the world. I'm not going to get weary. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to get worn out. I'm not going to be a fragile flower. I'm going to wake up in the morning and pray. I'm going to receive the grace, but I'm going to stay at the table. I'm not going to receive the grace and move off to the side and just use it for myself. I'm going to stay at the table, and I'm going to receive the grace, and I'm going to say the grace. And in it, as I see the grace say the grace, receive it, share it, I believe I'll find in my heart a true spirit of thanksgiving. And I'll celebrate this holiday, not just as a holiday, but as a way of life. I'll receive the grace, and I'll say the grace. God, would you help us? In fact, as we sing these words, would you hear our response? I believe that you have something deeply to say to us. Such as we have, we give to you. Would you help each of us to put some work into defining the such as? What do we have that we can share? We focus so much on what we lack. Whether it's financial means, whether it's a spirit of Thanksgiving, whether it's a spirit of joy, whether it's time and energy and space or compassion, we all have something to give. You've created this. You've put it in us. Would you help us not only to discover what it is, but to generously share it, to pray for a spirit of generosity, a heart of generosity. And so we want to add it to the list. We're going to we're going to check our attitude. We're going to think about looking at people with restoration and support. We're going to do some work about maturity, thinking about diligence of our own thought patterns. And we're going to pray for a spirit of generosity that identifies our gifts and invites us to share them. We're going to receive the grace and we're going to say grace. Hear our responses to your word, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said together, amen. Will you stand as we respond to the word? Thanks for joining us at the Montrose Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.montrosechurch.org. Have a great day.